Hi friends, my name is Kyle and I get to be the lead pastor of Friends Church Orange. On behalf of myself and our team and our entire church family, we are thrilled that you're choosing to listen to this message and invest in your relationship with God. We believe that he's going to be speaking to you and inviting you to become more of who he created and designed you to be. So if there's anything we can do to serve you on that journey, we invite you to reach out to us. But for now, enjoy this message and listen for God's voice. Thank you, friends. Uh, well, as Joy said, my name is Jonathan, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here on staff. And um, I was just sitting over there yawning because, man, time change, you guys. So it's real. I'm glad you guys at least made it to church today. Way to go. Uh, and as Joy said, also, we are continuing in the Good Life series. And so today we have an opportunity to look at the married life. And so if you're not married in the room, you're probably thinking, can I just go back to bed? Like I got up, you know, for this. No, hang out because there's plenty to learn. I know God's got stuff for you in this message. But as I was thinking about marriage and relationships, I started thinking about celebrity crushes. Have any of you ever had or maybe currently have a celebrity crush? Okay, all right, Josh, of course, like what, I am a human, okay? Uh, yeah, I, when I was growing up, my celebrity crush was Drew Barrymore. So I was of the age when she was in a movie called Ever After, and I just remember being like, wow, Drew Barrymore, you know, like I just didn't know, and now, now I know. And I, I quickly got over that and moved on to other things, but one of the things that I have retained is, is I've now moved from celebrity crush to celebrity couple crush where it's like, I want to hang out with that couple. Like, cause now like Michelle and I, we're the age where we're like, we're just looking for friends, you know, like people that like can relate to us. Uh, and so we have these celebrity couple crushes that we, we have. And, and you look at people and you're like, you know, if they just hung out with us, we would be best friends. Like, don't you think, you know, they seem really cool. We're super cool. Like, it would be great. Uh, so as I was thinking about that, I thought about these couples and not just, they're not just cool couples, but they're power couples. There's like, there's celebrity power couples where you look at them and you're like, they're both just like, killing it. You know, they're crushing it. Like, you're like, how do they do it? They look great. They're in all these things or they're making a difference in the world. And they also have a good relationship. Seemingly, we're not sure, but we're hoping so because they're a power couple. So I'm going to put up a couple pictures of power couples that I just think are um, in some ways, you know, remarkable, definitely power couples. So let's throw the first one up. We've got Harry and Megan. You guys know these guys. It's a power couple, right? I mean, it helps to be a prince, right? That kind of makes you powerful. Uh, is he still a prince? I don't know how that works anymore. Maybe, kind of. Uh, so we've got Harry and Meghan, they're a power couple. Uh, what about Beyonce and Jay-Z? Okay, come on. Like these are media mogul people here, guys. Like they are changing the music industry. Uh, who else we got? We got Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. That's the kind of couple that I'm like, we would be friends, you know? I'm pretty sure we'd be friends. Like the way they parent, they make fun of each other. We make fun, of, it would be awesome. We'd be so fun. Um, George and Amal Clooney. What about these guys? Okay, so George Clooney, most like beautiful man in the world. And then his wife just happens to be, you know, like a human rights lawyer, an activist, and also a model. Like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool to hang out with those guys. Uh, or Barack and Michelle Obama. I mean, their impact on this world and this society is, is immeasurable. They're incredible. Or what about these guys, Jim and Pam? You guys know Jim and Pam, right? Yeah. Now, I, I realize they're not a real couple, but if they were, we would be best friends. We would have so much fun together. Uh, but I was thinking about, about Jim, John Krasinski here. John and Emily Blunt, man, they, 
they're the kind of couple that I'm like, I think we would actually be friends. I had something recently pop up on Facebook that was like, when, when a, you know, a, a dinner with John, John uh, Krasinski and Emily Blunt. And I was like, okay, great. Like, let's figure out how we can do this because they would love us, wouldn't they? They would love us. Uh, <laughs> they're that kind of couple. But when I look at these power couples, it does beg the question, how do they actually decide who gets to do what? You ever think about that? Like, if you have two very famous, very successful people, how do they actually choose who gets to do what? Because like, John's like, I got a film in, you know, in LA, and Emily's like, I got a film in London, and they've got their kids. Like, when do you, who makes that decision? How does that decision actually get made? It seems like a lot of couples that are, that are powerful, that have a lot going on, at some point, you see these couples that starts to do this, and then it starts to split them up which I really hope doesn't happen to John and Emily because they seem like a great couple, you know? For my sake, please stay together. But there's an inherent power struggle in any relationship. And especially when you have two very successful people who are like, we're both, you know, on our careers, we're gonna go a certain direction. Uh, and so I, I just have that question, is it really possible to have a completely equal relationship? And not just for power couples, is it possible for any of us to have a completely equal relationship? Right, where we're, we're honoring one another, there's equal honor, there's equal respect, career is equal, etc. if we cho- choose this. Or does it always have to be lopsided? Does it have to be like, well, one person gets you know, the good stuff, the other one gets kind of the, the secondhand stuff? It's a fascinating question. I ask this actually in, in premarital counseling a lot because we talk through, okay, well, what does this look like? And, and can career be you know, equally important, kids? Like all that kind of stuff, it actually matters if, to talk about it before you actually get married. Uh, because there's an inherent power struggle in every relationship. Whether or not you're married, you understand this, right? You've got family, you've got friends, you've got roommates, you've got people that you get, you've got coworkers, right? There's always a power struggle. Who gets the preference? Who gets to go before the other? You see it like in kids, like my kids, they want to be first in line always. I'm like, you're going in the same place. It doesn't matter. But they're like, no, we got to be first. And there's always this constant. And specifically in relationships and marriage, it's this way. And it's been this way since the very beginning. Uh, Back in Genesis, when Adam and Eve first fell and they ate of the fruit, and God literally said, you are going to be at odds with one another. You are going to have this power struggle forever, which is really encouraging if you're in a relationship. Like, cool, you will always, always have this lovely power struggle. But today, I hope that we can go from power struggle to power couple. See what I did there? Power struggle to power couple. That's what I want to get at today, because I really think it's possible to not just struggle all the time, but to actually say, okay, how can we mutually benefit one another? How can, we, how can we lean on each other so that we can actually be more and more, not powerful in the sense like we have power, but, but more and more of an influence in this world together. We're better together than we are on our own. And so today we're gonna have an opportunity to look at a topic that we don't actually talk a lot about here, and that is marriage, very specifically. And so some of you, again, you're like, well, I'm not married, so I'm gonna go back to bed. I'm out, I'm gonna get some coffee. Uh, Stick with me because there are principles in here, especially because we're continuing on in our Good Life series. I'm not just pulling out a passage. This is a continuation of the themes that we were looking at from last week and we're gonna look at next week as well. And so if you're thinking, I might just check out, don't. There is so much for you today. I promise you, you're gonna love what we have to say because it's God's word, not because it's my words. Uh, So today, as we look at this topic, um, we have been looking at the good life and we have seen that the good life means life with God. And so if you're living life with God, you're really living the good life. And last week, Kyle talked about what does it look like to live a life of service to others? And he unpacked that and how our lives, the way that we live actually makes an impact on our world for Jesus. Uh, So as we looked at that, um, we saw that if we live life with God, people will actually notice and they will actually turn their attention to God because of how our lives are lived. 
Uh, so today we're going to be in 1 Peter 3. So grab your Bibles if you guys have them. Uh, if you don't, we've got Bibles in the back. Feel free to grab one. You can get a Bible on your phone. Also have it on the screen. I uh, would love to have you guys jump in. So 1 Peter 3. Today we're going to look at, you know, a pretty easy passage, just marriage and, you know, gender roles and, and whatnot in the, in the marriage. So we're just going to jump right in. 1 Peter 3.1 says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. I told you it was going to be an easy topic today. You guys ready for this? Okay. Let's keep reading though. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, I'm glad that we get to unpack this today because just reading that, that passage, you just might be, there's a lot in there. I don't even know what I want to do with this. Maybe I shouldn't have come today. I don't know if I should be here. And I, we don't have time to unpack everything. I wish we did. But there are going to be some principles that we're going to pull out about what does it actually look like to live in relationship with someone else the way God wants us to. And so it actually fits perfectly in the series that we've been going. We see the first clue of how it fits into our, our series in verse 1. Wives, in the same way. So if you see a phrase like the same way, it automatically should trigger, well, what way is that? What does that mean? If it's the same and whether you're telling them to do something in the exact same way, then what, what is that way? And so in order to look forward, we got to look back. So go back to the beginning of the section in 1 Peter 2.11, where we, we started last week. It says this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. And so as Kyle unpacked last week, how we live shows who we live for. How we live shows who we live for. If we are living lives under Christ's leadership, then how we live will show who we're living for, which is Jesus. And he talks about to them and he says, you are foreigners, you are exiles, you were not made for this world. And so if you're living according to the world's standards or what the world even tells you you should be doing, you are probably missing the mark in some way. And so go back, how do we live? And he goes through, goes through all that. Does your life, does it reflect Christ? Or does the world around you, uh, is that reflected in your life? Who are you really living for? So when we see that phrase in the same way, we can think back to saying, okay, with a Christ-like attitude of submission to all, now wives, we're just going to continue this into your relationship and we'll get to husbands too. So wives, what does that look like? Wives are to submit to their husbands. Uh, and I know this word submit is, is not a word anyone wants to hear given to them. You know, I'm like, great. If other people want to submit to me, cool, great. But if that's towards me, I think I'm okay. Because oftentimes... Submit seems to denote value. 
It denotes worth. It says something about who we are, that if we submit to someone or something, we are below it in terms of value or worth. But that's not what this passage is saying. And that's not what this word means here. The use of this word, it's not about value or worth. It's about a voluntary placing of yourself underneath someone else's preferences or direction. And even in that, it's not saying you were just voluntarily like completely uh, have no will in this. It's actually saying your sub means under and mission means goal. So you're under someone's goal that you together are actually going in a certain direction. Think about it like joining the army because this is really actually more of a military term because it's, it's kind of a rank thing. So if you joined up with a unit or a, or a special ops or whatever, you're gonna come underneath the commander. You're gonna come underneath kind of the army, but you're gonna have a mission together and you are just as integral to that mission as any other part of that mission is. And so when it says submit, it's not saying you are not worthy. It's just saying you are choosing, there's a choice in this matter, to come underneath something else and together move in a certain direction. Submission, it means to align with the mission of another person, to be a part of accomplishing that mission. So it's a voluntary attitude of cooperation, of assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden together. Voluntary is the key word here. I want you guys to hear that. Voluntary is the key word. We do this, as Peter says in 2 verse 16, he says, we do these as as a free person and as a slave of God. You don't do this as a slave to man. You don't submit in any relationship or any way as a slave to a person. You submit as a slave to God. And then as a free person in Christ, because of that, you can then live a certain way because it's like, it's okay. Jesus has got me. He's got me. It's going to be okay. There's a confidence that comes in that. So wives, you're not called to submit to your husbands because they're qualitatively better. And in fact, we're going to unpack and submit a little bit more. But verse 7 talks about that we are co-heirs with Christ. If we're co-heirs, the way that Paul talks about this, he says, there's no no longer Greek. uh, uh, I'm messing this up now. Jews or Gentiles, male or female, um, free or slave. He's just saying we are all one in Christ. So it's not about qualitative, but so then if it's, if it's not about quality, like, okay, who's, who's more important than the other, then why would Peter want women to submit? That doesn't seem to actually make any sense if it's not that. But he gives us the exact answer in verse one. We're still just in verse one. The reason is this, so that if any of them, that is their unbelieving husbands, do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. So the reason that Peter gives here is to submit for the sake of their non-believing spouse to come to know Jesus. This is the reason actually for the whole section of scripture going all the way back to 2.11. We are to submit so that we can win others over to Christ. Another way to put that is we can win over the world through our submission to others. Our submission, the way that we actually submit ourselves to others is our greatest evangelistic tool that we can have. If you wanna make a difference in the world, you actually have to learn to submit. And that's not to mean to be just to be run over all the time, and we'll get to that in a second. But it's to submit, to say, I, I'm okay. God, God's got me. And so by me serving and loving others, because I'm already okay, the world's gonna take notice of that. And in Peter's context, it's interesting because the women of that time, they weren't able to have their own world. If they got married, they were immediately subsumed into their husband's world. They had to take on his gods, his religion, his family, his friends, his social influence. All of that stuff was a part now. She was just brought right into that mix. And so as a part of that, what Peter is saying is, wives, if you are, an unbel- if you are a Christian wife within a marriage where your husband doesn't believe in Jesus and lives a completely different life, you don't really have the freedom to just be like, no, I'm good, and to walk over here. 
If you did that, that would not only create obviously relational tension and family tension, that would create cultural tension for the whole entire church, for the whole entire area because of the way that the culture operated in that time. And so I say, if we, if we bridge that gap to today, to say, okay, so today, is that the same culture? No, we have a very different type of culture here where men and women, we can choose, you know, we can choose our religions. We have freedom in, in all different ways. And so I actually think that this today could apply to both men and to women in the way that we submit under this. Because if you're here today and you're saying, I have, I'm, a, I'm a man and I have an unbelieving wife, do I, I don't have to submit to her, do I? Well, I, I think it, it's the exact same idea. If our whole goal is to win others over for Jesus, then yeah, submission is, is something that's implied of us to do. And so if you're here and you're like, I don't know, again, this doesn't apply just to me, like you're in the right space. We're right here, right where we're supposed to be. Because the message is to submit so that our unbelieving spouse or person that we're partnered with will see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. When we submit our preferences and desires to another, we will actually see people come to know Jesus. Now, does that mean, is that a promise? That that will automatically happen? No. But it's definitely something that we're called to do, to submit. And I feel like right here is probably a good time to to have a a quick caveat that uh, submission does not mean permission. So that when someone submits, that that doesn't mean that you're giving permission to someone else to to abuse you, to take advantage of you, to go over and above in those sorts of ways. This passage, it doesn't give permission for any of that to continue on, on, others, uh, on either side, whether that's a man or a woman or in, in any relationship. There's not permission here for abuse. Our primary allegiance is to Christ. And so if you know that, then if you're, uh, if you're in an unhealthy relationship, if there's something you're like, this is not okay, you can stand up for that and say, this is not okay. Submission is not permission. Your submitting is a choice. It's not something to be demanded of you. And men, I'm going to talk to you specifically, so wives, you guys can check out, check your phones for a second. But men, this is for you. Nowhere in the Bible are we called to force our wives to submit or anybody to submit to us. I think far too often and in far too many churches and in far too many cultures, we have said that this is okay. We have taken submission as permission for men to force their wives to do whatever they ask them to, to submit to their authority, to say, you are my wife and you must submit to me. I just don't think that's biblical. I mean, as a man, I'm like, great, cool. If I need to do that, let's go. But no, I don't think we have the biblical precedent for that. In fact, one of the reasons I think that is jumping to verse seven, Peter gives the exact opposite instructions to husbands. He says this, he says, husbands in the same way, again, the same way that Christ himself gave himself up for the church, the way that you are to submit to others, you must now submit to your wife in this way by being considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner or in other words, because your wives, they lack some of your advantages that you have just as a man in this society and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Men are called to be considerate of their wives and they are called to respect them and treat them as equal heirs of Christ. That's what we talked about earlier. If they're equal heirs, then they're equal. There's no, there's no back and forth on that. Then they are equal. But to men, it's an incredibly high calling because he directly equates how you treat your wives and even in the passage, the way they talk about wives, it could be interpreted as, as the whole women of your family, kind of your, your sphere of influence. How you treat the women of your lives directly impacts your spiritual direction. It has a direct impact on your spiritual formation. That is a high calling. As a man, that scares me because I think, well, what if I screw that up? 
will my prayers be hindered? Like, I don't want to, I don't want that. The way that you treat and love your wife, it has that direct correlation. So how do you want that to go? As a man, are you like, oh, I'm okay with that? Or do you actually want to know Christ better? And if you do, the way you treat your spouse, the way you treat any women in your life, it matters. It matters a great deal to Jesus because you are treating his co-heirs. He's, you are treating them the way that he would want to be treated. And actually, instead of forcing each other to submit, we're given a different directive by Paul in Ephesians. So we're going to look at Ephesians for a second. Ephesians 5.21 says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I love this passage. I use it in most weddings when I, when I get to officiate people's weddings because this is so clear to me. We are all called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you are submitting to Christ, then your submission to one another should just be automatic. And it's supposed to be mutual. But then a couple of verses later, specifically to husbands, Paul continues. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And at first glance, you'd be like, oh, cool. So Jesus is a loving guy and it's great. Do you know how, how Jesus loved the church? By dying for her. Jesus allowed himself to be crucified, a horrific death, because he loved the church so much. He loved you so much. And we're called as men to actually live like that with our wives. That scares me too, because I'm like, I don't want to die. I don't want to give up my life. But because of Jesus' model of a sacrificial life, as a man, I get to say that is how I need to love my wife. And I need to love the women in my life. So guys, are you also willing to be submissive? What does that look like? Because even though the word isn't used in, the other, in our first Peter passage, it is strongly implied. There's a sense of submission that we are giving ourselves over to our wives in some way. And if you're looking for a, a good relationship advice right now, uh, as a guy, learn to serve. Learn to serve. Learn to be, make it not about you. Learn to make it about somebody else and you actually may get a date. We'll see. So the question for those of you who are married is how much do you sacrifice for your wives, men, right now? How much are you choosing to sacrifice? Or how much are you saying, no, you know what? It's gonna kind of my way or the highway. I don't really care. And I love Peter uses this phrase in, in 1 Peter 3, 7. He says, be considerate as you live with your wives. And that word considerate, it actually translates to live with knowledge or live in an understanding way of your wife. That means be a lifelong learner of your wife. Get to know her. Don't just assume she wants something. Ask her. Look her in the eyes and say, what makes you tick? Like, what, what, is, what do you love? How can I help you? How can I help you become more like Jesus and be a better woman and grow more into who you are? Wives, if you had your husband sitting across the dinner table asking you those kinds of questions, wouldn't that be amazing? You would love that. You'd be like, yes, I want to tell you everything. Thanks for actually noticing me. And guys, it's the same way. If your wife was sitting across the table saying, what makes you tick? How can, how can I serve you? What does that look like? As a husband, I'm like, great, I want to tell you that. But if it's imbalanced, if there's only one person pursuing the other, it's not going to be pretty. It's this mutual pursuing of one another because of how Jesus even modeled it for us. The focus of biblical marriage is love and service. It's love and service. It's not power. It's not, okay, well, who's supposed to make the decisions? Who's in charge? I think we automatically go there in our heads because we're like, well, yeah, but who's in charge? Like we use a word like submit. I got to know who's in charge. And I just don't feel like Jesus is as interested in that as he is in how you love and serve one another. 
because he makes it so explicitly clear in these passages. In fact, I had a, a, a mentor couple right before Michelle and I got married that, that we were hanging out, and they were like, Jonathan, the key to a, sex, a successful marriage is to outserve each other every day. And I was like, that's a great, that's really good. Uh, and it's really impossible because if you've met my wife, she is a constant servant and I am less. And so it's like, okay, great. So I got to try to outdo that. Like, that's just not fair. But that's what we're called to do is outserve one another every day. And can you imagine the kind of lives that you would have in any relationship? This goes beyond just marriage, but in any relationship where you live as a servant to somebody else, not as a slave, but as a servant, someone who seeks their best interest, where you're propping the other one up, where you're, you're seeking their best interest, where your life, it's not just about your career or your agenda, but it actually is involving others and saying, what about your career? What about your agenda? How do I prop you up as well? What about, you know, where you submit even when you don't think you're wrong? Well, that's a little bit tougher. Like, it's okay to submit when I'm like, yeah, you might have a valid point. But if I'm like, no, you are wrong, it's much harder to submit to somebody else's opinions, thoughts, and preferences. But can you imagine your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, the people who would see your relationships, what they would say? They'd be like, hey, what's your secret? It's like us looking at those power couples being like, what's your secret, guys? You're beautiful. You're successful. You seem to have a great marriage. Like, what's going on? And the secret for us is, well, we submit to Jesus, and then he calls us to submit to each other, and our goal is to outserve each other every day. It's not rocket science, but it's impossible on our own, and I think we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but the idea that we need Jesus to help us in this, because on my own, I do not want to serve. I don't want to submit. I don't want to give up my rights, my authority, my preferences, but can you imagine if we did this, how you could go from this power struggle in a relationship to really being a power couple? That's what I want to help us get to today. Uh, it's easy for me to stand up here, though, and talk about this because I'm just one part of a coin. Because on the other side of that coin is my wife and her thoughts and opinions. And so I'm actually going to invite her up right now. So would you guys welcome up Michelle? She comes up and shares. Hi, church. Good to be with you today. This is such a treat. Um, I'm Michelle, and Jonathan and I have been married for 15 years in September. We've been together 18 years yesterday, so happy dating anniversary. <laughs> um, we have two little kids, and I'm typically like chasing little blonde kids around church, so it's really nice to be here right now, sitting calmly with you um, this Sunday. But um, Jonathan and I, we just, we just love um, marriage, and we love the opportunity that God has given us to like live together and seek God together, and so that's what we wanted to talk about today, and, and kind of like bring to life a little bit of what this looks like practically in our in our own life. So thanks for having me. Um, to start, when I think about this passage, I think about the word partnership. Um, that really like stands out to me a lot. And um, when I think about Jonathan and I, many of our, like we have many of the same values and the same um, goals for our life, but we are super different people. If, if you know us at all, like I'm an extreme extrovert, Jonathan's a more introverted. We come from really different homes, backgrounds. And so this isn't like easy for us, but it's something that through time and, and through um, the Holy Spirit that this is possible. And so a um, couple more things I would share, like, Jonathan's the, he's the best. He's so wonderful and calming to me. But I, but if I leaned on Jonathan for everything, it would be really easy for me to do. I'd be like, oh, I need to go to Jonathan for hope and for love and for joy. And he, you know, maybe he could fill me up and he just can't like, he just can't like, there's just no way no human could do that. You're so great. But like, he just can't. Nope. And so, nope. um, I say that to say like, 
early on when Jonathan and I were dating, um, we realized like we really need to lean on God um, in order to love each other well. And so when we got engaged um, on his ring, we engraved the verse he loved first to remind us that like literally we cannot do this relationship. It will be empty love if we're not leaning on God first, right? Like looking like submitting ourselves to Jesus, remembering that it's through him that, that, that we're alive and that we have hope or anything at all and that it's through his love that we can have this relationship. And so he loved first. That's something I wanted to mention. But when I think about partnership, I think about making decisions together. Woo, decisions, everybody. It's not easy. Does anybody make goals like at the beginning of the year? No? Oh, like so three. quiet. Oh, Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, right. good, good, good. I'm a real active listener. Like if I'm in the congregation, Kyle and I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you do that for me, please? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a little Pentecostal, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, Michelle. I'd appreciate it. Um, <laughs> but when I think about our goals, if you know Jonathan and I, we like to achieve our goals. It's really important to us. But our goals are kind of chill, I would say. Um, we aren't like massive dreamers. There's no like 5K goals in there. We're like, well, let's um, try to drink more water. Yep. And yeah. like, <laughs> dead serious. This is literally written in our journals. Drink more water. Um, we say, let's um, exercise when we can. And yep. then thirdly yep. would be like, just generally be healthy. Like that's yep. what we write every year. And then yeah. we're always like, yeah, we did it. So far, we're so like good. kind of healthy. <laughs> Healthier than we could. I had a protein style burger. Like, wow. Like amazing. Totally. Um, sorry. In all seriousness, like our goals, the goals that we really care about personally um, are, are tied to like being a light into mm-hmm. our community and about living for Jesus. And so that's what we take really seriously. And I want to share kind of like how that plays out. Like that's how this partnership really plays out. We're not good at keeping each other accountable to exercising. But if you do, tell me. I'd love yeah. some tips. <laughs> um, in terms of partnership and working together, I think about making decisions together. So I think of jobs. Like have you ever applied for a job and Jonathan and I, when we've had different job opportunities have come into our lap, it has been tricky, right? Where like we have our own preferences, our own tendencies. We're like, ooh, that would be cool. I like that idea. Mm -hmm. But we have to like, we have to make a big decision. These job changes can be massively life-changing. And so Jonathan early on um, felt called to ministry. When we met, he was like, I, you know, God's calling me to be a pastor. And we were so excited. And for me, we were a little uncertain. I, I studied psychology and I was like, what am I going to do? I got a job at Biola University. Any Biolans in the house? What, what? Yes, thank Woo. you. Um, we, um, I, got a, I got a job at Biola in admissions and God kept um, providing these great leadership opportunities for me to lead teams at Biola. But taking on different jobs like was certainly going to affect our life right like this affected my energy level this affected my ability to like how you know my ability to parent and how often I was home it affected our relationship or even how like how often I could serve at church like this these are big decisions that we had like our own feelings about and had to come together with and it's clunky it's mm-hmm. it always is mm-hmm. So I would just say, as I think about making decisions and job opportunities, we really had to seek God on our own and then come together to find alignment. We had to seek wise counsel Mm -hmm. and lean on his word to just really know what to do. And and God continues to show up and and provide um, in each big decision that we make. And so I would mention jobs. I'd mention kids. Any parents in the house? Oh, my gosh. Parenting. It's so hard. Little babies, grown-up children. It's just wild, right? And I I recognize... it's an absolute privilege I get to, to parent with someone. Like, that is mm. not something that I take um, for granted. Yeah. But parenting is tricky. 
Jonathan and I are equally good cop and bad cop, I would say. Mm -hmm. Sometimes this changes based on like how much energy we have, how tired we are, or even like what child we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So (laughs) it's silly, this is silly, but when, if you ask the children who's in charge in our house, they'll tell you that Jonathan's in charge because he's taller. (laughs) I think that's so funny, but it's also like, woof, analyze that one, guys. That's like, wow. Um, so moral of the story with our kids, we're constantly making decisions for them with them. Like, wow, what school do they go to and what activities should they be a part of and what kind of play dates can we manage? And how do we answer their very difficult questions that they have? It's hard. It's so hard. And so I, I am so thankful for the opportunity to do this in partnership with you, to lean on each other, like to humble ourselves in this, to be like, I'm a mess today. Like, did you see how I handled that? That was a rough. And, um, to be able to feed off of each other and to lean on God's strength, to be able to love these kids in a way that they need to be loved. The last one I would share is about COVID. Can we talk about COVID? (laughs) It's not controversial. Um, 2020 (laughs) was wild, right? It's still wild. Um, And it was just a devastating year. And what I would share about it is that Jonathan and I are are pretty like... um, we're a pretty united pair and we have Mm -hmm. a lot of like the same, like I said, the same values and goals, but like, but COVID was complicated because I worked in Los Angeles County. We had very different experiences of the world during that time. So I worked in LA County. I worked from home for over a year. I didn't leave my bedroom really. I would just sit there on zoom all day trying Mm -hmm. to make this all my work work. And it was very tricky Mm -hmm. where Jonathan's job was wildly different. Like church shut down, as you know, for, for a time. But then at some point he was meeting with people in person. It's like his passion it's like a huge part of what he does for work but it was hard and it was honestly super scary for me Mm -hmm. and so Jonathan and I when I think about COVID I think about and this is still a challenge for us honestly like humbling ourselves to like figure out how to survive together neither of us were like right or wrong it's Mm -hmm. not like COVID has a playbook right like neither of us were like had the right I mean I honestly thought I was in the right but like (laughs) I'm not I know I'm not and so we had to humble ourselves and figure this out together it looked like me having to like calm um, my fears and like Mm. let go of some of my control and trust Jonathan that he was being as safe as he could. And that um, it looked like Jonathan, he was really gracious to submit to my like wild questions that I would ask him every time he'd come <laughs> back in the house. And he had to go through some pretty ceremonial yeah, antibac- yeah, antibacterializing procedures thing. before entering the house. It was, it's complicated, guys, right? Like COVID is very difficult. Again, especially with, with having two different experiences and neither of us being right, but mm-hmm. having to say like, listen, I am freaked out and I need this from you. And him saying, got it, well, I need this from you. And so that's something that we're still dealing with and talking Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. serving each other submitting to each other and like compromising in something that was just so and continues to be so complicated um last thing I would say you know this is such an interesting passage and the next verse I love so much it really is for all of us it's not just for those of us who are married it's for everybody and so um we have the opportunity to make an impact for Christ each day and that opportunity is like grand and so Mm -hmm. exciting and so I love what it says here in first Peter 3 8 It says, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. 
Whew, I just love that. Mm. Like God has something so big for all of us, right? Mm. And I think something um, in our house we, we say a lot. We, we are praying on the way to school and on the way to soccer and on the way to our friends and family house. Like, okay, boys, like let's go be love and light. Like, oof, like God use us to be love and light to this world. And I wonder what that is for you today. I wonder what mm. that is for me, for all of us. Like how might God be calling us, single, married, whatever, as we submit ourselves, as we lean on God to be, to be love and light to this world. And mm. I don't know, maybe that feels a little daunting to you. And, and I mean, it is a little daunting, honestly, mm-hmm. but I would just remind us all, like, it's not on your own. Like, you're not just go, go, called to go be that superstar power couple for Jesus. Like, it is literally through through Christ that you can mm-hmm. do that. Like, it's because he loved first that you can go out, that we can go out to go make an mm-hmm. impact for Christ. And I'm so hopeful, guys, that he's got something for each of us this week and that he'll do that, that he'll use us mightily to, to change the world and, and be loved because the world um, needs God's love so badly. So thanks for listening to me today, and I'll pass it back to you, Johnny. Thanks. Uh, I love what you said, all of the words you said, obviously, Um, but primarily about the idea that it's a partnership and it's a give and take. Um, And I was just thinking today, like right now, I understand like some of you are like, if it's a partnership, one of our, my partner, like my partner has, has ditched, you know, like there's, there's some pain in that too. And I just want to recognize that. Like what we're talking about here is not like easy, like you said, and it's not even um, fully yeah, it's just something that's hard, I think, for a lot of us to wrestle with. And so we're going to have an opportunity in just a little bit just to wrestle with that and to talk to God about it and say, okay, God, what does this mean for me? Because this isn't exactly how my relationship is or how it worked out. Um, but there's also hope, I hope, from this. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, or months ago now, we were watching the Olympics, if any of you watched the Olympics. And I like, you know, the downhill skiing and the jumps and everything. And we were sitting down one day and Michelle's like, ooh, ice dancing. We should watch ice dancing. I didn't even know that was a thing. Is ice, ice dancing is apparently a thing because we watched it. Uh, but I, you know, I was like, I understand ice skating, but ice dancing, totally different thing. Um, but I was blown away. If you've ever seen ice dancing, because these couples, they get out on the, the, the ice and they just move like, like completely together. They're so in sync. But then there are times when like the man's like holding the woman up and or, like the woman's doing her own thing over here. Like there's, there's, there's highlighting of strength and weakness. But at the same time, if they're not in direct sync, it, it could be bad, right? Like it goes from, from having this, you know, this beautiful dance to really being a bloodbath. Like you got those skates slicing out there, like it can get really messy. But I was thinking about that as a perfect analogy for what, what Christian marriage can be, where it's mutual submission, it's, it's dancing together. And the more that we, we wrestle with that and we seek God together, the, the more we're going to find ourselves in alignment. You're never going to be perfectly in alignment ever. I mean, we're not. Uh, maybe you guys can get there. But at the same time, if you see Christ, like the, you're just going to find there's, there's going to be a new, new way of, of living. And as you do that, the world's going to take notice, as we talked about earlier. Um, so like we said, it takes the Holy Spirit. It takes help. Um, and at the same time, if, wherever you're at today, you just may be like, yeah, I want to I just learn to submit more in my life in general. That's great. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a last song. And um, we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to speak what he wants to tell us, give us what he wants. Uh, so Holy Spirit, come right now. We, uh, we want to live in your power. We want to live empowered uh, to live lives of service. Jesus, I thank you for your example and your model to us of what it means to live a perfectly submissive life to the will of your Father and then to sacrifice your life for others. Would we live the same way, Jesus? I just pray that our hearts uh, would be open right now. God, would you be ministering right in this moment to wherever anybody is at. 
however this is striking them, whatever they may be feeling, I just pray that you would, would meet them right there. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you remind us again of our call to live lives of service to one another? And would you empower us to live those lives as we go into this world? We pray these things in your name, amen.